Our New Testament passage today begins in 3 John chapter 1. The elder, now remember, elder here is not referring to age. Elder here is presbyterus. It's a, it's a spiritual position of leadership. Um, elder, bishop, pastor, um, shepherd. All these are, are the same terms. You see that back Acts 18 and 19. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. He said, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Now you hear us usually quote that in King James. Beloved, I would that you be in health and prosper even as your soul doth prosper. So John is saying, now again, this is written in around 90 AD from the island of Patmos. He said, I want it to go well with you. He said, this is my prayer for you. He said, and I pray that you may be in good health. And he said, I, as it goes well with your soul, prosperity of the soul. So, you know, your, your executive functions, your will, your desires, your thoughts, your logic, all of that going well. He said, for I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking. Remember, walking means live in the truth. And again, notice I rejoice greatly. This is joy for a leader. What brings a leader joy? That someone is walking in the truth. They're not walking in compromise. They're not walking in carnality. They're walking, they're living their life in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So he's their spiritual father. He said, I have no greater joy. Now, I'm just maybe, I mean, because you got to remember, by the time he's writing this on the island of Patmos, he is probably, oh, someplace between 85 and 90 years old. Okay? Because he's a contemporary of Jesus. Now, I'm nowhere near that yet. I'm just a young 64. I'm just a young man. But I'm beginning to understand this. The greatest joy that Sister Bev and I have is to see that people that we have led to Christ, our spiritual children, are walking in the truth. That, that is the greatest joy. The greatest joy. Somebody walked up to me the other day and they said, Pastor, you always said that maybe when you were over 60, you'd buy a Mercedes Benz, but you've never bought one yet. Yeah. You know, the older you get, the less you care about stuff like that. I mean, you really don't care about it. But you want to get me excited? <laughs> Show me a young couple falling in love and they're living clean and they're doing things right and they love Jesus and they come to church together. You know what? That's joy. That's looking at young people, looking at moms and dads that we've walked together for 40 years and see you living, living the word, living the truth. It doesn't get any better than that, okay? And please forgive me, I'm a pastor, so that's how I think. I mean, you know, other guys are evangelists and they think differently, but as a pastor, it's my greatest joy. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are. So helping strangers. 
helping strangers. This is a faithful thing. You know, there are people that we do to help people that we don't even know. When you sent clothes to help the churches across Barakina and canned goods, when you, you sent food, and we sent 300,000 pesos worth of food up to Isabella to help the people after the floods, the Christians after the floods. When we sent 150,000 pesos down to, to Albay to help the churches in that area after the typhoon, and then another 800,000 is sent to help put, church, put roofs back on churches. These people are strangers. They're brothers, but strangers. Now, you've got to get a hold of both of that, brothers and strangers. And when you help them, it's a faithful thing. See, we don't just help the people we know. These people that we don't know, these strangers, are our brothers who testify to your love before the church. You do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. No, send them on their journey. In other words, Provide for the trip. Have you ever noticed when we have guests in like uh, Pastor Dag and some of the others, we, we, we bless them financially. Why do we do that? We send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. You know, we have people who come through that have incredible ministries. And they're not looking for money to drive Mercedes Benzes or Maybachs or Lamborghinis. We don't have people like that. We have guests that give their life for the ministry. And so when we, we do a beautiful offering to, to help them, we're sending them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name. Now notice they've gone out. They're traveling for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from among the Gentiles. Wow. So they're, they're, they're not being supported by the world. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor Samuel, would you take money from Padcourt? No. Mm -mm. Pastor, would you accept money from Al-Qaeda? Nope. Wouldn't happen. Accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Well, money's money, Pastor. No, different sources. These people have gone out for the sake of the name. When, when you see people like Pastor Dag and Pastor Joshua, Brother Avanzini, these are people who, for the sake of the name, therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Now again, for the truth, not for an extravagant lifestyle. You know, we, we've had people in the past, and it's been my mistake, that have had people that, you know, they're just after their extravagant lifestyle. And, you know, once we got to know them, we thought, nah, we're not going to have them back again. Not because they're bad people, but it's like I looked at one guy and I said, you know, we don't have enough money for you. I said, what we can do is help in ministry. And I said, you know, if, if you're interested in us taking an offering to help you in ministry, we can do that. But we're not interested in raising money to buy you a jet or buy you a Lamborghini. But now if you want to do a crusade in Mombasa, this is one of the reasons I love T.L. Osborne so much. T.L. Osborne lived such a simple life, such a simple life. And I remember when we gave him an offering for a crusade, and he sat there with tears coming down his face and saying, and we were young then, he said, Dave, he said, no church outside of the continental United States, United States and Canada, 
has ever given me money for a crusade in my entire life. This is the first. And I thought, Lord, we've got a good harvest coming. Support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Now, now that's the purpose of raising an offering for a guest speaker. Not for an extravagant lifestyle, but for ministry. I have written something to the church, but Diophanes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Now, here you have a wannabe leader. This is a wannabe leader, okay? He likes to put himself first. Does not acknowledge the authority of the apostles. Wow. In other words, I'm going to be, I'm going to put myself up as first. This is a wannabe leader. This is a false leader. So if I come, I will bring up what he's what he's doing. Talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and stops those who wants to and puts them out of the church. Wow! Now, <laughs> I remember when I was a young man and I was sitting down with a group of people my own age. This was like 35 years ago or so. And we were having a Bible study on that. And one of the young men looked at me and said this statement. What a jerk. <laughs> I remember going, whoa, yeah, but I may not have been bold enough to say that. Now, notice this guy. Number one, it's not just that he puts himself first. He likes to put self first. Number two, refuses to acknowledge true authority, just arrogant, just refuses to acknowledge true authority, and wicked nonsense. Wicked nonsense. Whoops. Against God's leaders. And not content with that, number four, he refuses to welcome true traveling leaders and stops those who try and puts them out of church. Now, how did such a guy get all this authority? How, how can he even put people out of the church? Well, because he's putting himself first. Now, you know what? There are people like that in every church. I mean, please forgive me. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. There are people like this in every church. They like to put themselves first. They refuse to acknowledge the true authority God puts in the church. They talk nonsense against the real leaders of a church. They refuse to welcome traveling speakers. They, they say, oh, this is just a waste of money. We shouldn't have these people around. And anybody who wants to, to, to help these people, they try to drive out of the church. 
Now, he's, he, his response to that, he said, Beloved, all right, now this is how to respond. How to respond. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whatever does good, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen or experienced God. He said, all right, so this is how to respond. Don't imitate. Don't do what this guy's doing. Instead, imitate good. He said, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would not. I would rather not write with pen and ink. We talked about that yesterday. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face-to-face. -face. This is the best way to teach people face-to-face. -face. Best way to teach. Why? Because you can... Teaching is a spiritual flow. You, you feel when people are getting it and when they're not getting it. You know where to push in stronger here. You know, okay, they got that. I can lighten up on that. But people can also see your facial expressions, hear the tone of your voice. You know when people are starting to choke down because it's a little too much right now, so you lighten it up with a little humor. The best way to teach is face-to-face. -face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. <laughs> Awesome. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Silver and gold Let us bring his 
Testament passage today picks up in Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. Now notice the word of the Lord. This is prophecy. This is not the words of men. This is the word of the Lord. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Now that's a strong statement. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. Wow. Now notice the controversy is not with the land, it's with the inhabitants of the land, with the people. So among the people, there's no faithfulness, there's no steadfast love, and there's no knowledge, no knowledge of God in the land. Now again, this isn't referring to the land, it's referring to the inhabitants of the land. What there is in the land, there is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. All right, so what is in the land? Or we can say what people are doing. Not, not what, there's no faithfulness, there's no steadfast love, there's no knowledge, but people are swearing, people are lying, people are murdering, they're stealing, they're committing adultery, they're breaking all bounds. Now, let me read that to you from the New Living Translation real quick. New Living says, you make vows and break them. So there, there's no there's no bounds. There's no there's no keeping of your word anymore. Therefore, and here's a big one, therefore the land mourns. Now notice the land. This is this is the ground. And all who dwell in it languish. All who dwell in it languish. Also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, even the fish of the sheep are taken away. Now notice, sin destroys the land. Now, brothers and sisters, do you want the Philippines to be a productive land with wonderful forests and wonderful agriculture and wonderful abundance of animals and livestock and fish? The land languishes because of the sin. Because of the swearing, the lying, the murder, the stealing, the committed adultery, the breaking all bounds, not keeping vows, bloodshed following bloodshed. He said, listen, the land mourns. 
You, you look at abortion, killing millions of babies. There are many nations of the world that kill over a million babies a year. The land mourns. The land, you have to understand the sin of man. And here's the principle. The sin of man affects the land. Now, please, I'm not anti-climate change, all right? Please, I'm not anti any of that stuff. I don't know what to think about all that. But I do know what to think about this. There are people that are so worried about polluting the environment. And you know what? We shouldn't. We, we should not pollute the environment. We should, have, we should be good stewards with the land. But at the same time, these same people who teach, you know, climate change and they teach, you know, anti-pollution, they're murdering babies. I mean, you know, murdering, the stealing, the lying, the swearing. You know, you, you listen to a guy who's, you, you, you listen to a mob of people that are, are promoting um, laws to protect the environment. And you see the F word, every other word. And you go, all right, so they're swearing. Huh. All of that affects the land. The spiritual and the spiritual actions of mankind affects the land. Yet let no one contend and let no one accuse, for it is with you is my contention, O priest. All right. Now God says, This is my contention. So God's problem is with the preachers. You shall stumble by day, the prophet shall also stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people, here's one of the famous verses in the Bible, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from being priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of God, I will forget your children. Now, God begins to speak against the preachers. Now, now pastors, please, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. But when you see sin rampant in a nation, it's because we as pastors are not doing our jobs. You know, we can stand up and say the politicians aren't doing their jobs and we need laws for this and that. You know what? Laws have never changed the nation in the history of the world. What changes the nation is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's getting people born again. It's preaching the gospel. That's what brings about a change in the nation preaching the gospel and teaching people the word of God. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. When people aren't taught the Bible, the knowledge of God, that's what brings destruction to the people. And he said, because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you. This is called reaping. He said, as a preacher, if you reject knowledge, you know, I know many preachers that don't want to study. They want other people to write their sermons and all they want to do is be a presenter. You know, they're going to present what somebody else writes. They're going to present what somebody else says. They get their sermons off of the great God Google rather than on their knees in prayer. And, and he's, God says, when you reject knowledge, I'll reject you as a priest for me. Now, people like to say, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Um, that verse is so taken out of context and so wrongly applied. God rejects priests who have rejected knowledge. Preachers, you better get a hold of that one. 
If there's one thing a preacher should do, it must be to study. Paul said, Timothy, study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Let's put that verse in here. We'll go look it up and put it in there later. Study to show yourself approved. And he said, and since you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. Now here is a reason for PK's destruction. PK means preacher's kids. You know, preacher's kids are so spoken against in the world. <laughs> in fact, you know, there's even been songs written about him. The only man that could ever move me was the son of a preacher man. In other words, he was so sinful. He was so sexually sinful. Now, now that's a horrible thing to say. But God said, when, when preachers forget the law of God, God says, I'll forget your children. He said, you don't take care of my children. I'm not going to take care of your children. I tell every pastor, do you want your children to have a good life? Yes. Then take care of the children of God. The more they increase, and here's a big thought, the more they increase, the more they sinned against me. And God said, I will turn their glory into shame. Wow. So, preachers' sin increases with number of preachers. Why? <laughs> Competition. Preachers are competing for a crowd. And so the more they sin against God because they're competing for a crowd. Now, why are they competing for a crowd? They feed on the sin of my people. They are greedy for their iniquity. Wow. They feed on the sin of the people. The thing that enriches them is the sin of the people. You know, just come to church. It doesn't matter about your sinfulness. It doesn't matter that, you know, you've got a number two, a number three, a number 25. Just, just make sure you bring me your tithe. I'll, I'll come and collect your tithe every week. They feed on the sin. They enrich themselves on the sin of the people. They're greedy for their iniquity. Again, greedy for the people's sin. Wow. And it shall be like people, like priests. In other words, the preachers follow the people's lifestyle. Now, how many times has Paul said, follow my pattern of life, my conduct? But they, they didn't follow the pattern of the leaders. The leaders followed the people. He said, I will punish them for their ways and I will repay them. Now, there's a couple of big words. Punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. This is a promise to preachers. They shall eat but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore but shall not multiply because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish. Wow. These are the preachers. They cherish whoredom, wine, new wine, which takes away... The understanding. <laughs> Sin removes understanding. No wonder they can't preach well. No wonder they can't put two thoughts together. No wonder they have no real understanding of Scripture. The whoredom, the sexual immorality. 
that wine and the new wine takes away understanding. Hmm. Now, that's all about preachers. So this is a really hard section on preachers. My people inquire of a piece of wood. That's an idol. And their walking staff gives them oracles. <laughs> now, the walking staff is like a piece, a tall piece of st a stick that you walk with to stable you on the rocky ground. He said, you inquire of a piece of wood. And he said, the stick that you used to walk with gives them prophecies? <laughs> For a, the spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. Now, again, that's referring to idolatry as well as sexual immorality. But notice the spirit of whoredom has led them astray. There's, there's a demon spirit behind all this. They sacrifice on the tops of mountains. Here's the idolatry and burnt offerings on the hills under oak, poplar, terebinth, because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery. Wow. The fruit of idolatry equals sexually immoral children. Oh, pen, please work. Now that's hard, okay? The fruit of idolatry is sexually immoral children. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery, for the men themselves go aside with prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes, and a people without understanding shall come to ruin. All right, he said, you want me to punish the daughters and the brides? But he said, what about the men? He said, you know, you don't like it when, when the ladies do this, but he said, look what the men are doing. So here's the daughters, here's the brides, but he said, now listen, the men are doing the same thing. Though you play the whore, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gilgal, nor go up to Bethavon, and swear not as the Lord lives. Like a stubborn heifer, Israel is stubborn. Can the Lord now feed them like a lamb in a broad pasture? <laughs> no. Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him, leave him alone. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring and their rulers dearly love shame. This is the culture. When their drink is gone, they give themselves to whoring, and their rulers dearly love shame. They love the shame. They love the sin. A, ma a wind is wrapped them in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. Chapter 5. Hear this, O priests. Now again, we're writing to the preachers. Pay attention, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king. So here's the priests, here's the people, and here's the king. And again, this is the 10 tribes. For judgment is for you. For you have been a snare to mitzvah and have net spread upon Tabor. And revolters, have gone deep into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, Ephraim, you have played the whore. 
Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them. Here, here is just an amazing thought. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God for the spirit of whoredom is within them and they know not God. Man, that's a wow. You know, when, when you, you get this spirit within you, the, their deeds do not permit them to return. For the spirit, there's a demon spirit of whoredom that's gotten inside of them. It, you know, I, I talked with a man one time, and he had been horribly sexual immoral beyond a normal, even a bad guy's comprehension. And he just said, you know, I can't help myself. I just have to go do this. And he said, you know, I have what they call a sexual addiction. I said, no, you don't have a sexual addiction. You have a sexual demon that you need to be set free from. Oh. So this is possession. So when people talk about sexual addictions, I talk about sexual possessions. Demon spirits of whoredom. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Judah also shall stumble with them. With their flocks and herds, they go to seek the Lord. They go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. Now notice, their deeds do not permit them to return to the Lord. Now, they might go seeking, but they're not wanting to return. You see, there are a lot of people that they want to be around God, but they don't want to return to God. Okay. They want to hang out with God, but not repent. Okay. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord. Now, how do, there's no sincerity. All right. So, no sincerity. There's. Uh, there's no sincerity. They've dealt faithlessly with the Lord. For they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them in their fields. Blow the horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Sound the alarm in Beth Aben. We will follow you, O Benjamin. Ephraim has become a desolation in the day of punishment. Among the tribes of Israel, I will make known what is sure. Wow. God's work. He said, you know what? I will make known what is sure. The princes of Judah have become like those who move the landmark. Wow. Upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. In other words, you're stealing land from people. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment because he was determined to go after filth. Wow. Can you imagine that? Determined to go after filth. You know, there are people that are just determined to go after filth. They're determined to go after pornography. They're determined to go after sexual immorality. And I'm not even talking about just the, the, the normally bad kind. I'm talking about the worst of the worst. They're determined. I am like a moth to Ephraim and like dry rot to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went up to Assyria and sent to the great king. But he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will carry off, and no one shall rescue. For I will return again to my place, 
until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. God withdrew until one, two, three. Now, straight up challenge, if that's talking to you, if you've just stubbornly gone after your sin and you feel like God has pulled back from your life, he may have. But notice, until, there's a big until there. God never takes away hope until you acknowledge your guilt, you seek his face, and in your distress, earnestly seek him. And when you do that, <laughs> God is good and his mercy endures forever. All right, we'll close out today. That's some really strong, strong, strong stuff. But these minor prophets, they were trying to reach the people and bring them back to God. So yeah, there's some strong words that are taught. We'll see you tonight, seven o'clock sharp.